0: Hi, I'm Jay Abraham. By day, I grow businesses for a living, but today we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things: the meaning of life, uh, hopes, dreams, the human condition, and things that go bump in the night. And I think it'll be very, very intriguing. Soon.
1: Welcome back to Curiosity Bites, another delicious episode. And we are grateful that this episode of Curiosity Bites is brought to you in part by MagCast. Imagine having your own industry magazine. What would that do for your authority? Whether you're a coach, a content expert, or an emerging brand, it's hard to stand out from the crowd. So what if there was a proven way to increase both your perceived authority and your professional status in the eyes of your market? This is your way to go from being invisible to getting a meeting with anybody. You can go and find out more by going to magcast.co. That's M-A-G-C-A-S-T dot C-O. But first-time publishers create thriving magazine businesses. So that's magcast.co. As I said, we are here with my special guest, Jay Abraham. He is world famous as a uh, a genius in the marketing world. Um, Every famous stage you can possibly think of has been on he's uh, written books he's been featured all over the place and uh is friends with some of the best gurus you know because he's actually been their guide um whether you are looking at uh fubu whether you're looking at the shark tank whether you're looking at tony robbins you look behind him and you'll find that Jay abraham is right there and he's the one who's been talking to them But we've been finding about the human side of Jay Abraham. And so now we're into the fourth section. We want to start off this round of Curiosity Bites with the mastication round. The mastication round is where we ask our guests weird, wonderful, and profound questions. And they get to pick randomly, not knowing what those questions are, with no no understanding of where we might go. And so you get to pick a question, uh, Jay, between 1 and 24 as you choose, and I will read you that question. Uh,
0: okay, How about 16?
1: 16, sweet 16. What can make you feel imprisoned? When
0: I am in a situation that I don't feel like I have the answer to. And, and again, my day job is being able to really untangle gordian knots you know solve complex marketing selling competitive problems and i purposely take on businesses and industries i have never been in before and i have to really work hard to figure out you know answers and solutions and if i'm at a, a, a i i've been very blessed because i believe if you uh, if you believe you'll get it, you will get it. but it sometimes in the process, it's very frustrating. And I know also whatever frustrates me is that if I know there's more within me to contribute, but I don't do it all. and then your subconscious sometimes dove will give you answers after the fact. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I wish I had done that or said that or and, and so i'm I'm very. I hold myself probably to a very high standard. I'll call it contribution, but let's be honest, it's also acknowledgement for being the man on the white horse, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I can't or don't or am temporarily impeded, that drives me crazy. Mm.
1: so that that need to find the solution is very important to you yeah to get
0: to get the answer to get to yeah the solution to what figure. is
1: it about that for you what what does that give you
0: uh i think intellectually it is a joy to have to mentally and i think i've gotten very good at figuring out how to process issues and reverse engineer and look at all kinds of of impacting elements and distill it all and bring it all together, and I think I have a certainty about myself that uh, so let's say that you're pretty darn great at what you do, and most every time you do it, you're gonna you're gonna serve up an ace, and all of a sudden, <laughs> if you start hitting the net every time, it bothers you, doesn't it? Right. So it's that kind of an analogy. I've been very blessed to be able, and 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 you probably I don't know if you do this. As I've gotten older, I sort of go into a zone. I'm not always mm-hmm. remember. And Brian has watched. It's pretty fascinating, and I'm not saying it with with uh, arrogance. It's just that I go into a zone, and I can come up with. Uh, I can probably process from all the worlds I've traveled in business mm-hmm. experiences. So I'm pretty used to that. And when that doesn't snap, I'm very, very concerned.
1: So, so have you have you thought about this? I want to put this forward to you because I know um, having worked with very successful individuals myself, um, I often am called to call those people out on uh, what I call sycophantic, sycophantic authority and sycophantic authority is you have earned, rightfully so, you, I, we have earned our position as the authority. The problem with it is that people will come to us with something they need, we will give them the answer, and they will sycophantically take it, they'll say yes, and they'll take it, but it might not be the best answer. And, And I'm always like, yeah, was that really my best or, or are they saying yes because I'm Dove and, oh, you should listen to Dove, versus when you hit the wall that you just talked about and I don't have the answer, that's when I actually feel like I've actually grown. Because as you said before, we don't change in comfort. We only change in discomfort.
0: Well stated. And you're you're, you're right on the mic. One of the things I've started doing very, very uh, – uh, very consistently and very, very, uh, very cognizant of this. When I render a piece of advice or when I render an answer, or let's call it a solution, I almost always also provide alternative realities with the express self, a sort of, uh, 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 not self, um, uh, I think of the right word, facing but i'll say look it 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 appears to me based on the data and my assessment this is the right path however it may not be so mm-hmm. other paths and rather than commit yourself let's identify a conservative way to experimentally see which one the market responds to i didn't used to be that way i had more arrogance it's and i I, I will never forget that I used to do all these seminars we talk about, and I'd have experts, copywriting experts, and they tended to be very arrogant in their one discipline. And I remember I purposely would have two different ones together back to back, and one would teach in direct mail days. You do a personalized mailing. It looks like a regular mailing. It's hand typed. It's got a, a, a live postage stamp, and there's nothing on the envelope. Then right behind him, I'd have a guy that believed in what I'll call junk mail, screaming headlines all over it. And people would, at the end, then I'd come on and they'd say, which one should we choose? And my answer is the one that works. But I don't try to give them absolute anymore because I know there's a lot of variation. And again, I try to, when I'm doing my, my professional work, I try to verify and and dimensionalize and and explore and validate that my implicit assumption is in fact explicitly the real truth. Because I'll say, okay, here's what I am here's what I am hearing. Here's the factors I am processing. Here is what I believe could should be the best path however it may not and rather than committing all your resources and and and, you know taking your your army off a cliff why don't you also conservatively try it
1: Mm
0: -hmm. try this and this and see which one or maybe with luck all of them can be combined but i don't have enough i i don't want i mean i think it's very promiscuous very arrogant, ignorant, and dangerous to tell you here's the only way to do something.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's fabulous. Thank you. That's that's really important for all of us to, to consider in what we're doing. Pick another number, 124. Uh, okay, how about three? Three, let's have a look at three. Number three, what do you believe is the greatest mystery to be solved? Hmm. uh
0: probably is is uh you know you could say world peace but I think what happiness means to a given a given person I mean finding true happiness as it as it uh not just relates but as it, has meaning to you because i don't think most people are happy
1: that that's really interesting because we're actually back at where we started which is this subjective meaning of all things so my work in i that i do is i'm eliciting meaning what is the meaning that drives your life and uh happiness i will often talk about as being transitory if I come and tickle you, you'll be happy. I stop tickling you. You're no longer happy. So it's transitory, but joy is something much deeper. Joy is what, what fills your heart and fills your soul. And, and most of us have become focused on happiness on these transitory things. I'm happy. I just got the new Ferrari. And then it's like, Oh, it's a car.
0: Thank you for correcting.
1: You know, uh, many
0: years ago, somebody that, uh, uh, we were doing some business with kept using phrases which at the time were awkward and i didn't like but now i think i like them she would say i want to know what makes your heart sing mm-hmm. and and but i do think as i've gotten i mean and and i think as you get older as i said when you realize you know i realized because i watched all these people that made a lot more money and they would have huge houses that didn't change anything, cars, you know, toys, what is real and let's use joy. What gives you more permanency of joy? Let's amend it as opposed to transitory. And I think that's very great. Thank you for intervening and adjusting my answer because I, you're helping me grow from this and I'm very grateful. But I think I'm obsessed with trying to figure out what's gonna make, cause it, I mean, so many people are obsessed with the end result. And they have any joy through the journey. And when they get the end result, it's anticlimactic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that that's probably, I, I think my life of late is on a crusade uh, or a crusader mission to make that point know that the journey is really, that's really all you've got.
1: So with that, let, let's keep keep hold of that psychically and let me ask you you know one of the exercises i have that i do with people is i ask people to um write a tombstone but so i'll explain it this way that i'm sure you've been to funerals by our age we've usually been to a couple um when you go to a funeral there is somebody at the front usually who delivers a eulogy and the person delivering a eulogy. When I say to people, what is a eulogy? And they say, I don't know. And I'll say, I'll say, I'll tell you what it is. What, it, what it's, what it's supposed to be is that you go up there and you're going to canonize the dead. And they go, what do you mean? You're going to turn them into St. Jay, St. Dove, St. Susan doesn't matter. So all the shitty things they did in their entire life will disappear for a moment yes, while you deliver this eulogy i love it right so what is this if you put it on a tombstone so it's you know one two three sentences what do you want it to say what do you really want it to be on there that would really say to you okay i nailed it
0: okay and i apologize there's a phone that might be ringing i think i, I i'm thinking i think i would like it that it, it oh geez i'm sorry it'll stop in a minute i'd like it to say he made me laugh he made me sad he made me um, think he made me grow
1: i like it because it's what you what you're really saying is you you gave people a life experience Yes. I think so. And I made them,
0: I made them connect. I, I think I want people to connect to all that's going on because I, you know, in my own life, I've started doing something which is quite profound. Of, I have such a busy schedule as probably everyone that I'll go from one meeting to another one, one zoom to another, to a conference call to this. And I don't, if you ask me, what did I do? today, I don't even remember. So what I've started doing is taking 10 minutes after every interaction and thinking about what just happened. What was said, what did I say, what was impressive to me, what did I really admire about that person's conduct, phraseology, what did I admire about my own, what did I not like that I never ever want to allow to pervade how I am? What did I not like about how I responded that I never want to do again? What's the great lesson that I can take? How can I take a a filament or more from that person's character and add it to the fabric of who I am? And I don't think we slow down enough and think about things like that. You're absolutely right.
1: The story of the eulogy comes from an experience i had when i first moved uh to north america and i made friends with a guy who was an mma fighter and he was really really tough guy and i knew him from the gym because i was a bodybuilder we bodybuilt together and and i was a martial artist and a boxer so i knew him and we hung out good guy really good guy but had had a shitty childhood his father was brutal and he lived with his dad. And this is a guy who was like 30. But his dad was the kind of person um, who used to tie him to the hot water radiator and then beat him with a Hot Wheels track. So that gives you a kind of clue about the brutality he suffered. And I knew his dad. And and his dad was always nice with me, but I knew who he had been. And uh, so one day my friend calls me and he says, "I, my dad died. I'd like you to come to the funeral. I'm like, why would I go to the funeral? This is not a good human being. I didn't know him well enough. Why would I come? He goes, I'd like you to come and support me. I said, okay, I can do that. I will do that. So, but I'm not sitting in the front. He goes, no, I don't want to sit in the front. I want to sit in the back. So I said, okay. And we sat in the back and we listened to the eulogy. Remember, I said, canonizing the dead. And this person got up there and talked about a time when my friend's dad had paid the rent for a neighbor when the neighbor had no money and never asked for that money back, it was completely uncharacteristic, but now it was the character of which he was being held up on. It yes. wasn't true about who he was. It was true about an event. Yes. So all that was happening. So while the eulogy is going on, we're sitting there and I'm listening to the whispers, what I call the whispers and the whispers are, well, he was a brute. He was violent. He was cruel. He was mean. So, what I in the exercise I do with people, I ask them to, to know what the eulogy is, but I also ask them to say, Well, what might be the whispers? And a lot of people will go, Well, I don't know. And I said, Well, hold on, let me help you with it. The whispers are the things that you hope nobody says that may be true, but might not be true, but you fear be, fear could be true. So I'll give you mine just so we're on even ground. So at the front end of the eulogy is Dove was a courageous man. He lived his life about fulfilling other people, bringing people to their purpose, and having impact on the lives of people whose names he will never know and who will never know his name. That's my front end, right? Soulful. The back end, the whispers is, when I tried doing the exercise, I couldn't get it. I struggled with it. Because when I came up with the answer, my ego would immediately knock it away. So I go, Dove was a coward. Because remember, Dove was highly courageous, was at the front end. So Dove was a coward. And my ego go, that's ridiculous. I've been extremely courageous. But then I, I learned something. I said, let me put the words in the, in the mouths of my grandchildren. I have five grandkids. Let me put the, the words in the mouths of my grandchildren and see what happens. And I then put it in my eldest grandson's voice and, and I listened to it there and he added a profanity. And the profanity was Dove was a fucking coward. <laughs> and I went, wow, that's it. I needed to know that whisper because the eulogy is the, is the, is the pull towards, but the whisper is the push away from. What is the whisper, Jay? Oh, geez. Uh,
0: it probably if you look at my conduct, there were times I was afraid. I would buy exotic cars knowing they would, they would uh, grow, but I would sell them the moment I felt like I was in adversity i didn't buy we bought our home which is very beautiful but for a few hundred thousand dollars more i could have won one on a cliff but i was afraid so probably i've taken I was a terrible investor i i I might you know i I could have bought facebook when it first came out somebody offered me whatever it was 40 50 dollars i didn't buy it i forgot to tell you there was uh, one more, uh, I just, when we were talking about something, there was one more that somebody came to me with and I I, I rejected it. So I, I, I've, I've been very, as you would say, courageous in my, you know, I, I've, I spend tons of money trying marketing stuff, but I've never committed to the things. The only, I mean, I have a magnificent beach house, uh, second home in Capistrano Beach. Uh, it used to be 50 feet from the water, but because of what's happening in our climate, the water's right at it. It's spectacular, and we bought it for accident. It's worth 10 times that, but not because I bought it. My wife harassed me into buying it for the children. If I had had my brothers, I would have said no, and I would have pissed away the money long ago. So I've probably been afraid in things that would be much more astute for quality of 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 future life and i think deep down i've resented perhaps myself for not having within my being the gene that let me make those kind of commitments i was involved in uh, gold at 300 dollars an ounce and i sold all my gold when i got out of the client at probably 800 dollars an ounce my kids told me to get into bitcoin when it was nothing and i thought it was stupid so things like that and and we have friends i have one friend very smart guy but when he was younger he lived well below his means and every year he bought two rental houses and now he's got 150 or so and he makes i don't know three million dollars a year and they're all paid for and the guy bought a 10 million dollar house on the beach and he's always traveling and and so things like that that I never had within me the discipline or or the confidence to do probably is 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 what would be your equivalent
1: yeah and that's that's a fear of loss but that makes sense based on looking at your dad and suddenly the paper industry and the liquor industry and suddenly like oh you works over now what are you going to do right so it's like it can all go away is the point and you're and that probably what was the unconscious psychological stopper
0: yeah no and that was it and also I've helped been i mean countless people build very thriving sustainable businesses, but I've never wanted to and maybe I've never felt like I, I mean I've got a great you know I get an outrageous amount for my consulting and I'm not saying that with arrogance, but I've never really created a sustainable business. It's always been whatever I wanted to do this year. And sure. it's back to that. And it's probably a set a segment of fear that maybe I would fail. I don't know.
1: Well, that's interesting, because you're leading me into an area that I actually really wanted to go into you with you, and which is creativity. Do you consider yourself a creative person? Mm.
0: I consider myself uh, able to transcend many dimensions of construct. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd call that creative, but I think I can assemble. I consider myself a great kaleidoscopic thinker.
1: See, because when I look at you and I look at what you've done, and I know people who've known you and had relationships with you and you know and uh, obviously there's backstories and which are true or not true who the hell knows right but um you know in our conversations um i would uh, this is my words i would consider you an artist um um i myself i consider myself an artist i was an artist as a child uh, i was very good at art and i believed that everybody I knew thought i was going to be an artist I'm still an artist. It's just not got the same form. I'm highly creative. But the creative personalities are highly creative, high stimulus, which you are. Okay? So high creative, high stimulus, high intellect. And we are also the most... most. We have the greatest propensity towards depression. That's true. And, and the greatest pull towards searching for joy. We, we tend to think deeply. And we also, as you... Uh, you know, we are able to put things together that other people don't put together naturally. We can see how this fits with that, and other people like never thought about that. So it's interesting for me that you are you appear to me to be that. And one of the traits of those people, and I'll just give you one more psychological clue, is they're usually very disorganized.
0: Oh, yeah, no no, i I've got papers everywhere. I don't use my computer. I don't even know how to create files on it and i've got twenty-two thousand unread emails right now so you know and and uh you know i would be you know i i i, I you know i've helped people who are specialists in ADD, adhd and i'm sure i'm a poster boy for uh adults and and uh it's a gift and it's a it's a bane yes. but Yeah, I I think that I've been blessed for a couple of reasons. I think the fact that I've I've been involved in so many different industries have given me such an expansive understanding that, and again, let's say I have a good mind, but it allows you to create hybrids and combine and 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 um, and build all kinds as I use the word constructs, and you see possibilities. I mean, creativity is seeing possibility. Absolutely. There's, you know, there's a Michelangelo type or there's, I think my type is seeing possibilities based on a much broader uh, frame of understanding of what's out there as opposed to just, you know, having it in a vacuum. I think my, if it is creativity, it has been a fuel because I've gotten to experience so many more possibilities. You know and and uh it has given me just the ability to you know to not just think in terms of my historic you know if i was in one field all my life then my world would be that if i hadn't expanded into you know self-discovery but this has been you know I've, i've been in about every industry you could imagine and i've gotten to see not just the business but the mindsets the worlds they live in the, the 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 the. i mean what i say to people all the time is and we talk about reality so my reality is i have about 10 platforms i like to visit but there's all these other platforms i'm not even aware of that you might like to visit and there's all these other platforms that any one of the people watching like to visit and there's just all these realities, and I've tried and been forced to embrace a lot, probably a minuscule of what's out there, but it's sort of like the brain. If the brain normally uses 5% of its capacity and you learn to use eight, well, it doesn't seem like a lot, but on a, you know, it's a it's an asymmetric sort of a thing. So my experience has given me an asymmetric scope of of uh, of selection to weave together in thinking about anything issues applications questions problems just to see life and when i see life it's good and bad i'm always having out-of-body experiences where i'm reflecting i mean i'm always having and and it's probably you know it could be tormenting if you don't manage it two different experiences one is the direct one and one is overseeing and saying what's happening as we're saying this i don't know the same way
1: yeah absolutely who is who is someone that you have met that you that has done that to you that has allowed that has been able to draw out of you and show you concepts that you've not thought of in that way because I, I always find it fascinating when somebody like if, so, if somebody doves me up I'm fascinated by that so who if so, who's jade you up who who has given you the insights into yourself and sort of taken those bits and bobs and put it together in a way that's been fascinating to you so
0: there have been two or three people earlier in and let me think about later so when i first started working the guy that i did icy hot with was a master at seeing value no one else saw Mm. he followed you're probably too young for this there was a guy named jimmy ling who had a company called ling temco bought and he was a master at buying a public company then splitting it into three more public companies and creating value almost out of nothing and this guy taught me that and he would buy third generation you talk about third generation third generation businesses that the, the kids had run into the ground and he taught me that before he bought them he would always figure out the value of all the tangible and intangible assets and he would he would have buyers for them before he closed that made a profit before he paid out a penny and he taught me to think just at a He Also, he he came. He was a he was a he was a a, a termite uh, 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 person. He just went to houses and houses when he started, and he looked at that industry and thought that the independents weren't being served by the big companies. So he started a company to fill that void. Then he looked at gaps, and I've been very blessed from people that they didn't say it, but I was able to discern. They were either filling a gap nobody else did, or they were a commoditized uh, product or service category to a higher uh, value. But probably one of the guys that really transformed me was I I was blessed to meet this man who was probably the top, he's deceased now, brain in the world of barter and trade. And he did just amazing things. And he taught me how to see tangible, intangible values because barter is very creative. You know, I traded just as an example. If you came to my house, out front is a Porsche convertible, a Mercedes uh, a, 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 a G63 wagon, uh, AMG, an AMG GT. I told you, I just got an NSX, and I traded two days of my time. He taught me how to see value nobody else did and how to use it in masterful ways. And not that barter is that relevant to anybody, but the ability to think intangibly and to see and create value and to convert value and to identify value that nobody else does translates then it sort of, it's, it's a springboard to everything else. One of the other things, and this is a, this is not a singular, but it's a it's a multiple. In the course of my work, for the first probably twenty years, I helped over two hundred experts mm-hmm. None of them came to me for. They were A class experts. None of them came to me for help with their methodology. They all came to me for help commanding that the the that the market see their methodology with more tangible worth more productivity more 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 reverence so they could command more uh, more market they could command more pricing they could command more uh you know more uh more just a level of value perception but i couldn't advocate for them till i first learned them so i got this immersion in, I mean, Stephen R. Covey, Stephen M. R. Covey, uh, you know, Tony, I had to learn all that stuff. I did, you know, the top, uh, you know, the guy that fathered optimization, highest and best use theory. I've done, I mean, I've done so many, and all those came together. And, you know, I, I it, and the challenge that I've always had, and you didn't ask this, but it's actually a little tormenting. I have a lot of methodology that generally in university help people, but the real strength that I bring when I work for a private client are the nuances, and I can't really replicate that. I can't hire a hundred consultants that didn't have my combined life experiences, and without that, they're still very powerful. But it's a it's it's a it's a a, a, a millimeter of the real of the real. Um, Potency, And that's a sadness to me because I don't know how to translate all the nuances. And nuances are so critical. Nuances and semantics are so important into what I'll call ultra high performance.
1: Yeah, because I think those nuances, in my opinion, those nuances reveal meaning and therefore reveal value. And if you don't, if you, and that you can be trained incredibly well, but it, a lot of it is honed through experience. And and I think that the experience, including the shitty stuff, is, is the wheel that grinds the diamond and polishes it. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, if you've been on the planet long enough, you've got, you've been up against a couple of those wheels and some things are going to get really polished in a way that you cannot in my experience, I cannot convey for another to-do. And and part of, for me, the piece in that has become, no, but if I can teach them how to do that, they can bring their experience to it. And they will have a different nuance.
0: It, I'll tell you something that, and, and, and this might be helpful to everybody, and, and, mm. and I asked this, but I don't remember, Is, are they watching or are they just listening? Both. Okay. so. When I started doing seminars, it was quite troubling to me. I had come from a world where all I did was one-on-one and I had a success rate that at least in my mind's eye was a hundred percent. And I hadn't factored in that if somebody in the beginning, because I was just performance, I was only getting paid on results. If somebody didn't execute, I would jettison them right away. So in my mind, I had a hundred percent success. Sure. So to get to seminars, and I'm I'm trying to teach all this stuff and I'm following up and watching because we had uh, we had follow-up with a lot of people that they did only a fraction. It was tormenting to me. And I actually I didn't go to a professional, but I was helping a professional and I posed my lament. And he made a point that was so profound. It, 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 he said, Jay, you got to look at this in a different context. They come in and they're at, ground level. So, in the course of a five-day, you rise them up to here. Yep. They get everything, but they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to float down and level off at about here.
1: Yep.
0: You're pissed off because of this, and you're failing to realize this. You took down, even if they dropped 80%, and that was a very interesting, I don't know if that is something that has relevancy, but it seems like it's relevant in this conversation for some reason.
1: I, I think it's profoundly relevant because again, we're, we've gone right back to the beginning, which is so great, which is we're always looking to the outcomes, but we fail to measure the process, the journey. And so I, you know, I had a public seminar company for 20 odd years um, and I, and I got out of the business because I got sick to death of being in what I called the recycling business. I was recycling Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins was recycling my clients. I was recycling his, Harveckers, you know, they, and the, and then they come to mind like, oh my God, we should like, this is so great. And I'd be so excited that, oh yeah, I've done a great job and I've lifted them. And then, you know, they'd go into another program. It was annoying, it was frustrating because They didn't actually integrate what they'd got. they just go looking for the next guru, which is horrible. But I had the same understanding when I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, Peter, Peter Sage, who you may or may not know. Peter and I are mates. And I'm having a conversation with Peter. I'm like, geez, I'm so frustrated. And he goes, why? I said, I met this lady on Robson Street in Vancouver. She was in my programs two years ago. She came up to me, she's all bubbly and she was excited to see me. And she says, oh, Dov, you know. Blah, blah. And I just took this program and it's like, oh yeah. And she says, yeah, it's really changed my life. And I said, oh, and I was genuinely happy for her. So that's great. And, and she says, yeah, I learned this. And then she told me what she learned. And I know that that was in the class I taught her two to three years before. <laughs> I said, you know, what is the, what is wrong with these people? Why? And Peter said to me, he said, have you ever tried to hit a nail into ebony? And I said, no. And he said, ebony is the hardest of all woods. He goes, it might take 50 hits to get that nail flat on into the wood. He goes, you may have been the first hit. You may have been the 49th hit. The other guy might have been the 50th. It's only the 50th that gets the credit. So when the credit comes to you, Dove, remember somebody else, banged it 49 times
0: That is a profound comment i i learned and this is not as profound as that but someone taught me that anytime you're trying to make a point make the point three ways with so because people don't always get it the one way and it's fascinating that's a profound point it makes me think about you see all the convicts trying to break up the boulders and they hit it and hit it and nothing happens and nothing happens and all of a sudden it cr- it just crumbled that's a profound point i love that uh yeah that's great i'm enjoying this this, is the, this was quite uh an unexpected uh, until, but i want to make a point i stopped not unlike you i was and and again i'm not saying this arrogantly we were at our peak i owned that business before the the uh the internet but i stopped one day i was on stage and we had a very large audience and they paid a lot And I thought, you know, by and large, I'm intellectual entertainment, and I prefer being a catalyst uh, direct. I like the front lines of, of commerce or capitalism better. And I stopped doing, we do only a few things now, and they're only beta for me to work through a concept, not because there isn't great value in group training. I just prefer working on the front lines with individuals?
1: There's something that happens at the level of intimacy, again, that eye to eye, that intimate exchange that where there's a level of vulnerability that takes place. And we know that eye gazing, meaning looking in somebody's eyes, fires off in the brain, oxytocin, which allows us to bond. And, And that will can happen in a crowd in a bunch of people but when you're on that stage and there's a thousand people in that room that's not likely to happen with very many people that's why you know people like Tony use big screens it's not for any of the the people think oh it's so I can see him no it's actually eye to eye because your eyes are looking at his eyes and there's oxytocin allowing you to bond and so when Tony said I am not your guru it was perfect NLP because not does not exist Right. So I am your guru is actually what it was. No,
0: no and, and and I'm sorry for the noise. I'm outside, so that it'll go away. It just stopped. Uh, but that's profound. Yeah, you really have a grasp, which I'm very uh, sincerely Im- impressed with. You have the ability to understand and express in a way that very few people do. I'm sure that those that uh, get the privilege of listening to the interaction that occurs between you and your guests really gain a lot because... there's so much more to gain by what's behind the curtain, not what's in front of it.
1: And I really want to thank you for for letting us behind the curtain of Jay Abraham. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor, sir. I really want to thank you. I, I, I thank you for, I really want to thank you not only for your vulnerability in sharing those things, but I want to thank you for trusting me uh, with these things and allowing that part of yourself to come forward so that people can see you can see success and see the humanity of those things um, and because i i think that there is a, a beautiful combination in what you've shared today you are the 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 founder pro founder of this idea of preeminence But I would put it further and say that I'm actually going to call this show Preeminent Dignity.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: That's Because I think that that's actually what we've been talking about, preeminent dignity. So I really want to thank you for sharing your preeminent dignity and allowing us to consider how we can provide preeminent dignity to everybody we interact with.
0: Well, first of all, you're welcome, but I have to reciprocate because uh, as soon as we're done, I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm going to tool away to a private little place, and I'm going to reflect on how I've grown from uh, the questions you've asked and the thoughts you've, you've not just precipitated, but the, the, the cobwebs you've dusted off and the and the um, and the experiences that I've long forgotten. A I, I, I question, and I apologize because I, I I I I deserved you by not watching a bunch of your sessions. But when you do this with most people, curiously using mm. you, do they open up and and do you see or do you see them, uh, you know, retreat and recoil? Uh,
1: the people I have on all open up. Um, I have that pre-chat, as you know, and they all open up. Um, in fact, if you go back and listen to Phillips, so you'll go, damn, man, you got me. <laughs> um, so yes, that, m- I'm very honored that the people I interview are wonderfully open and they do do that. And, you know, we've had everybody from, you know, people like you to John Oates from Hall and Oates to Philip who, who introduced us and and so many other wonderful people who just us. I mean, I find that people are, I think people are beautiful, people are magnificent. You just have to give them the chance to be so, and that's what we're always looking to provide.
0: That's great. Well, thank you very much. And I hope that uh, that some of what you drew out helps people, you know, appreciate and understand not just themselves, but so many others, because if they do, then this was a worthwhile endeavor.
1: Absolutely. And I hope you'll stay with us to the end, Jay. Thank you so much. And for you, dear listener, dear viewer, we really appreciate you being with us. And listen, we always need your help in staying relevant. So please go on to wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe to the show, and maybe just decide that it's worth your value to share it with others because hoarding doesn't help. The world needs to be shared with. We need to get these messages out there. Let's look at the world. Let's get curious for a minute about how you can bring a greater level of preeminent dignity to everybody you meet. Till next time, this is Dov Baron. You can find out more about me at dovbaron.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We want to thank you. Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious.